Oh, yeah. Man, I missed y'all. I missed y'all. I thank you so much for your prayers. It's like a bittersweet. Um, Hurricane Laura was forecasted to come to Houston, and we were preparing. And towards the last minute, it just started turning towards the east. And so our prayers for everybody in East Texas. And um, we have family in Louisiana who was affected by Hurricane Laura. This is why we did not have service on Thursday night. But we are here tonight, and I hope you guys are prepared. I hope you got your notes. I hope you got your passion. I hope you got your Bible. I believe that tonight's message is going to greatly help you. So far, during the study and everything that I prepared throughout the whole World War Me series, this is my favorite segment. This is my favorite segment. I'm so thankful for all the loves, all your giving, all your subscriptions, and tonight I'm ready to go to work. Tag somebody, take a screenshot, let us know where you are in the world, shoot the link over to somebody, share this so that you can help this message have width, and let's get to work. We're going to go to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. John chapter 15. We're going to read just a few verses. John chapter 15. Verse 11 says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Listen, I don't want you on a half tank. I want your joy to be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. A verse of importance and where we're going to do work, unpack, and have the Holy Spirit have his way is verse 13. No greater love than this, than for one to lay down his life for a friend. Father, you're awesome. We honor you and we thank you for who you are. Thank you for just being a merciful God. You're not a God of second chance, but you're the God of chance after chance after chance. And we're praying tonight that this word will perform a surgical operation on our hearts and on our minds. Because it is your desire for us to be your billboards in the earth. And my typical request, oh God, anoint me to be your oracle. Use me to be the PA system of heaven, the soundtrack of heaven. All the study means nothing if you aren't seen, magnified, and glorified. In Jesus' name, and if y'all are ready to get to work, would you drop the comment in the room? Amen. Amen. No greater, no greater love than this, than for one to lay down his life for a friend. Church family, I'm excited. I believe tonight's message is going to be absolutely awesome. Out of all the lessons in the World War Me series, this one on the night so far I believe is going to be the most important and one of the most fruitful messages because this particular topic that we're dealing with on tonight, everybody wants, many people are longing for, and some of us thought we had it. Some of us thought we had it, but time revealed it was just a counterfeit. Time revealed what I thought I had is not what I really believed I had. And I know somebody may be watching me and you're agitated and you're irritated due to the frustration that you had to go through with him and due to the frustration that you had to go through with her and due to the frustration that you had to go through with them. And so you just throw your hands up and you ask this question, why won't they act right? I just want to know, why won't he act right? Is it something I'm doing? Is it something I said? Help me, Jay. What is it that I'm doing? Why won't he act right? Why won't she act right? Why don't she ever know where she wants to eat? I keep on asking her questions. I'm trying to serve her. I'm trying to be the best kingdom man I could be. Why won't they act right? And I'm trying to change your perspective. Maybe the truth is they never were right. Oh, Lord, we're coming out like this in the introduction. Maybe they never were right because one of the most painful things that can hit the human heart is when we are seeking and we expect the right thing from the wrong place. Woo, the right thing from the wrong place. This is how we get emotionally stranded. 
We get emotionally stranded, and I have a sneaky suspicion that there's somebody watching me on tonight, and you're trying to heal, and you're trying to get over what you wanted from the wrong person. What you wanted from the wrong person. But y'all got to excuse me. I just refuse to believe that what God has for me is going to be toxic. I just can't receive that. I refuse to believe that what God has for you is going to be toxic. I refuse to believe that God is going to have me wait then to just send me trash. The most powerful force in all of existence and all of eternity that I would like to speak to you about tonight is this four-letter word, love. Love, a word that comes and goes. Y'all remember that song? <laughs> love. I, I believe love is the most misused, misunderstood, misrepresented, mislabeled, and mishandled word in all of our existence. Love. Isn't it crazy that we've had a lot of people tell us they love us, but I don't have a lot of people who laid something down. I have a whole lot of people who say, I love you. I love you, but I don't see a lot of people laying stuff down. Jesus says it this way, no greater love than this, than when one lays down his life for a friend. So I understand that you're using lip service and you say that you love me or they love you, but what have you laid down? Have you laid your pride down? Have you laid that stank attitude down? I didn't say stink, I said stank. Have you laid that stank attitude down? Have you laid that petty down? Have you laid that emotional traumatizing wound verbiage down have you laid always having a clap back down what have you laid down what have you laid down besides your body uh-oh what have you laid down besides your body because culture tells you lay your body down that's what culture tells us but that's not kingdom see listen true love is when you can get naked without being naked some of y'all missed what i just said <laughs> True love is when you can get naked without being naked. I'm naked. Here's my insecurities. Here's my shortcomings. Here's my failures. Here's my doubts. Here's my problems. See, this is problematic for the individual who struggles with being vulnerable. This is something that's hard for you to digest because you have to understand kingdom love requires nakedness. Preach Holy Spirit. Kingdom love requires nakedness. Marriage and a covenant requires nakedness. Healing requires nakedness. Accountability requires nakedness. Therefore, I could come to the conclusion that maybe we're getting the wrong type of naked. <laughs> we're the wrong type of naked. Yeah, you're physically naked but you're emotionally clothed. So you can have sex with somebody and be naked, but not naked. Gosh, I hope y'all are getting this. Be naked, but not naked. And if the only time they say I love you is during sex, I want you to know they're not talking to you. Oh, if they only say I love you during sex, they're not talking to you. They're talking to the sex, but you just happen to overhear the conversation. I hope you guys are ready for tonight. Everything about our culture and everything about our society has mislabeled and miseducated us to what love truly is. Jesus says, listen, this is what love is. I'm trying to help somebody on the night. I'm trying to reintroduce to you an accurate biblical version of love. Jesus says love is when one lays down his life, but he doesn't just preach that. He models it. He laid down his life so we could have life. See, listen, you got to understand that Jesus, when he was here on earth, he had two assignments. The first assignment was to teach us to be kingdom. That's why he kept on saying the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. He was trying to get us to understand we are supposed to live by a different code. We live by a different ethic. We live by a different principle we live by a different system yes I'm in this world but I'm not of this world and I have to get you to understand that I have wired you I have shaped you I have molded you and I have constructed you to be kingdom the second assignment was for him to die for the remission of our sins 
He says, hey, you want to know what love looks like? This is what love on purpose looks like. Me hanging on the cross. You want to know how much I love you? I love you this much. This is how much I love you. And he said, this is what I want to do. I'm going to take your imperfect record. Listen, I'm going to take your imperfect record and I'm going to change it with my perfect record. So every single time God sees you, he doesn't see our flaws. He doesn't see our failures. He doesn't see our shortcomings. When we have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and believe he rose from the grave on the third day with all power in his hands and he has the power over hell and he has the power over death and we put our trust in him, we can go boldly before the throne of grace because God does not see you by what you've done you are blood covered you are blood covered that is the gospel you are blood covered and this is love on purpose this is what it looks like to love lay something down you know why people run from love you know why they keep on fleeing from love because love on purpose stretches you when you really love somebody love will cause you to be stretched love stretches you it stretches you to forgive it stretches you to let go of that bitterness it stretches for you to be mature it stretches for you to be honest love stretches you and if we're gonna love like Jesus (laughs) he's like the first one that ever introduced us to PDA public display of affection I am going public with this on a hill where everybody could see me. So why in the world, if I can go public with my love, do you think I'm cool with you loving me in private? I'm going public with this. I need you to live a life that declares it on the rooftops, that declares it on your IG, that declares it on every single thing you do. I'm going public with this. Jesus has a public display of affection. I'm dying for you, and this is what love looks like. This is what love looks like when we lay our life down. And I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is how willing are you to be stretched? How willing are you to lay something down? So I just believe I'm being led on tonight for part seven of this World War Me series. I would like to speak from this topic, from this subject for a few moments on tonight. That wasn't love yeah that wasn't love a lot of us are dealing with insecurities and wondering what is it that we have done and what do I need to change and why did they leave me and why did this turn out like this and I'm trying to help somebody on the night that's a warfare that you don't even need to get in because that wasn't love That wasn't love. If it was, then why was that a relationship that was an incubator for my trauma versus fertilizer for my healing? That wasn't love. If it was love, then why did they take out everything that they hated about themselves on me? That wasn't love. If it was love, why were the words I'm sorry or I apologize a foreign language? (laughs) Were you the one that always said, I'm sorry? You're the one that always apologized. You're the one that always tried to start over and get a fresh start. Were you the one that always said, I apologize? Because you do know prideful people have a struggle with saying, I'm sorry, right? They start (laughs) choking. They can't get it out when they have to apologize, when they have to admit when they're wrong. See, prideful people, they like to apologize in their head. (laughs) Like It's like they apologize in their head, and if they didn't hear it, that's on them. (laughs) that's on them that wasn't love that wasn't love that was not love see that wasn't love if it was where's your joy where's I didn't say happiness I said where is your joy a lot of people are posting on the gram, posting on Facebook. You're miserable because you want the world to think that you have joy and you want the world to think that you're happy, but at home you're dealing with hell. And there are people who rather betray themselves to be in heaven, but in their reality they're going through hell. I didn't say happiness. Let me tell you something that might mess you up. When you truly love somebody, it's not always going to make you happy. 
Woo, did that hit somebody all in the neck? If you truly love somebody, it's not about them always making you happy. Because when you love, it's going to take sacrifice. I'm pretty sure when Jesus went to the cross, that didn't make him happy. That didn't make him happy, but he was obedient all the way to death on the cross. He loved us. Jesus says, listen, I want you to have joy. And in our foundational text, he said, I want your joy to be full. I don't want you to just have some joy. The reason I didn't say happy is because I broke this down. Happy comes from the root word happenings. And so it's like, listen, if you just want to be happy, this means your happiness is based on what happens. And that is a hard life for you to walk through every single day and your happiness is tied to what happens. Did I get a green light? Did I get a red light? Did they mess up on my coffee at Starbucks? Did they get my order right? Did they put the sauce in there? I shouldn't have to ask for the sauce. You know I have barbecue sauce I shouldn't have to ask what do you mean 25 cents for most sauce you hardly put any butter and honey on this biscuit as it is and so everything is going where you're having bad day after bad day because your happiness is tied to what happens Jesus says no I want you to have joy because joy is a state joy is a state and how do you have a state of joy he gives us the answer remain in me joy comes when we are intimate with Jesus consistently. Listen to what I just said. Joy comes when we are intimate with Jesus consistently. He says, listen, I want you to have joy. I don't want your joy to just be on half tank. I want your joy to be full. Because Jesus gives us identity and he gives us purpose. And if you want to meet somebody miserable, there are a person who has, not been activate, has not been activated by purpose. Miserable people have not been activated by purpose. And then they'll have a problem with you because you're in purpose. <laughs> because you have your hands on the plow in the area of your assignment. This is how people get clingy. Well, where you going? Well, why you didn't call me back? Well, what you doing? Well, where you, well, you can't go with me? I can't. Well, I want to watch it too. Well, I want to do it too. You don't want to spend time with me. You don't really love me. It's they don't have purpose. Listen, I need you to have an assignment that you already have discovered outside of me so that I could be fulfilled in my assignment and you could be fulfilled in your assignment. And when the two come together, we become one you shouldn't be a bugaboo a bugaboo you shouldn't be nagging you shouldn't always have an issue because you are in purpose and this is the problem with a lot of people who think that marriage is going to cure your loneliness it does not cure it it exposes it you got to know my purpose before him I have to know my purpose before her and I have to already be actively involved in my assignment when you came along you just helped me because I'm already killing it and I'm helping you because you're already killing it I'm not just sitting here deactivated until you're arrival miserable people do not engage in purpose and so then they start talking about you they start having issues with you and they bad mouth you and they talk behind your back but I broke this down you know why I believe people talk behind your back I'm gonna give you five reasons five reasons on why people talk behind your back number one a I believe they talk behind your back when they can't reach your level when they can't reach your level. They talk behind your back because they can't stand a light that they can't eclipse. Whew. Another reason people talk about you or talk behind your back is when they don't have what you have. These type of people to me are confused admirers because they really wish they had what you had and they wish they were in your shoes, but they always talking about you for being in your shoes and they always talking about you for what you have, but they really wish they had the same thing. I'm just like, listen, you are a confused admirer. <laughs> confused. See, third reason on why I believe people talk behind your back is because they take offense instead of taking notes. This is so good, y'all. Listen, do you understand how God next levels you? How God levels you up is he puts next level in front of you. God puts next level in front of you, not for the purpose for you to get jealous, but for the purpose of you to take notes. God is ushering you to a new place and you may see somebody at another stage that has a larger platform, not so that you can get jealous, but so that you can get inspired. God allowed David to go in the kingdom before he was ever the king and had to play a harp for the king. But God was showing him what's yours before it's yours. 
I don't need you to get upset. Take notes. I'm putting you in a place that will be yours. Ruth was in a field that was hers before it was hers. I just need you to be resourceful where you are. God has a methodology of showing you what's yours before it's yours. Ah, don't take offense. So can I get somebody to drop that comment? Don't take offense. Take notes. The fourth reason why I believe people talk behind your back, they lack patience. They don't understand it took you years to get here. They want like a drive-through miracle, and you have been processed. Everybody loves transformation, but nobody loves being transformed. Everybody loves the, progre the progress, but nobody likes the process. We want the end result. We want to get to the top, but we don't want to climb. We want the crown, but we don't want the cross. Nothing matures overnight. The only thing that matures overnight is a mushroom, and that is a bacteria. <laughs> I don't want a bacteria platform. See, just because there's massive growth doesn't mean there's health because infection swells too. I don't want a bacteria platform. I want this to be healthy and holistic. <sighs> and the last one, I believe people talk behind your back is because when they try to copy you, <laughs> but they can't. <laughs> there's a lot of things you can fake, but you can't fake oil. There's a lot of things that you can fake, but you can't fake oil. I need you to discover your divine fingerprint in the earth and put your hand to the plow for what God has called you to do. And maybe you can stop bad-mouthing them, and maybe you could heal. Let me help somebody on tonight. Purpose expedites healing. Did y'all hear what I just said? Purpose expedites healing. The reason it hurts so bad, I'm not saying that it wasn't painful. I'm not saying that it's real. But I'm saying that you being idle and you not having your hands to the plow of your assignment is causing for the pain to actually throb. It's causing for the pain to be more severe. But purpose expedites healing. There's just a healing you get when you're in your assignment. There's just a healing you get when you're in your divine sweet spot. And God is saying, I want you to be in purpose. I want you to be in purpose. That wasn't love. No greater love. No greater love. No greater love than this. Than for one to lay down his life for his friends. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. By the way you preach. Mm -mm. By the way you sing, mm -mm. by the way you upload messages on YouTube, mm -mm. by your podcast, nope, by your vlog, nope, by you giving to somebody, nope. People will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. So in essence, love is the litmus test for the Christian. It is the evidence that we have been marked. See, can we talk the reason I believe we have yet to see massive revival, the reason I believe we have yet to see mass, massive transformation in the earth due to this principle being implemented is because, like I've stated so many times, I can't expect to see transformation without application. And the dangerous part is we have a lot of information that we're putting into application, but it's the wrong information. <laughs> So some of us are putting things into application, but it's the wrong information because bad doctrine precedes bad directions. Speak Holy Spirit. Bad doctrine precedes bad directions and wrong directions lead you to wrong destinations. And there's nothing more dangerous to the body than when the undiscipled make disciples. There's nothing more cancerous, there's nothing more dangerous to the body than when the undiscipled make disciples. Because now we'll have a whole generation calling lust love and love hating. <laughs> Everything is backwards because I have the undiscipled making disciple. I don't care how popular their voice is. I don't care how many people follow them. It's dangerous when the undiscipled make disciples because now I'm calling lust Love, and I'm calling love hating. <laughs> I'm calling love, I'm calling love hating. But you got to understand this, love is sacrifice. Mature love 
Mature love doesn't throw a temper tantrum when you don't get your way. Not, not mature love. In fact, you could tell how much somebody truly loves you by their willingness to be inconvenienced for your benefit. I'm going to say that one more time. You could tell how much somebody truly loves you by their willingness to be inconvenienced for your benefit. Do they complain and serve or do they secure and serve? If you're going through something and you have to call somebody, that's a whole other sermon. Who could you call in the middle of the night? But if you call somebody and say, hey, I need some help or hey, I got locked out, will they complain and serve? Man, I told you about this. I told you to get an extra key. Why are you calling me? You know I got to get up early. You know I got to get up 7 in the morning. You woke up my child. I don't want to complain and serve versus secure and serve. I'm here, bro. I got you. It's all good, man. I'm here. It's all good. It's all good, sis. I'm here for you. Complain and serve or secure <laughs> and serve. Maybe, maybe they're not hating on you. Maybe they're not hating on you. Maybe they love you enough to tell you a truth that others won't. Because there's nothing more dangerous to when you can't discern people who want to keep you on the ground versus people who keep you grounded. They're not the same thing. I need to be able to discern people who want to keep me on the ground versus people who keep me grounded. People who want to keep me on the ground, they don't want to see you soar. S-O-A-R. <laughs> they might want to see you soar. S-O-R-E. <laughs> they might want to see you soar. And then they try to make you feel bad when God's taking you to the next level. They try to make you feel bad about your promotion. They try to make you feel bad when good things happen in your life. They'll start to say things like you forgot about us and you acting all different and girl acting like she big time now. You forgot where you came from. You're like, um, listen, I didn't forget where I came from. I just refused to live where we met. Somebody just drop amen on that part. Just, just that part. Drop that in the comment. <laughs> Yeah, I just refuse to live where we met because some people are cool with you getting ahead as long as you don't get ahead of them. And growth agitates the stagnant. Growth agitates the stagnant. Oil carriers don't hate. The oil deprived do. Oil carriers, people who know their giftedness, who know who God has called them to be. Oil carriers don't hate. The oil deprived do. This is why I believe Joseph could recognize his brothers, but his brothers couldn't recognize him. Because when you're growing, I'm at a whole nother level. I'm not the same person that you knew me as. This is why you have to be careful not to judge me by the season you walk in on. Because right now, I might look like injury. But in the next season, I'm going to look like luxury. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about luxury with my peace, luxury with my joy, luxury with my clarity. Don't judge me by the chapter you walked in on. They couldn't even identify who Joseph was. Because when you're growing, I leveled up. And the sign that you're not growing is when you have same level produce. Preach Holy Spirit. You have the same level produce. You have the same attitude since high school. How you still have the same attitude? You just as petty as you were in 2016. Like you still tripping over what happened in 2017. You still mad. If you have the conversation about it, you still get mad. You should be mad over the fact that it still makes you mad. I need you to grow. There's a reason why the fifth grade chair and the pre-K chair are different sizes. Because after a while, there are some places you should no longer be able to sit in. After a while, there are certain places you should no longer be able to fit. Because I'm growing. I'm growing. I need you to evolve so hard that you got to reintroduce yourself. You can always tell when you're at the same level. Because you have same level produce. But I believe God is talking to somebody on tonight and his word is higher, higher. I want you to have higher commitment, higher discipline. I need you to have higher prayer life. I need you to have higher thinking. I need you to have a higher mindset. I need you to have higher integrity. I'm trying to take you higher. But you're going to have to let go of what's lower. This is a true story, y'all. True story. In 10th grade, there was this guy. I let him borrow my video game. Somebody say 10th grade. I let him borrow my video game, and um, 
you know, there was something called like Blockbuster and Hollywood Video back in the day. I don't know if y'all remember that. <laughs> like I remember like if you didn't rewind your, your video, you would get charged more for it. <laughs> they had late fees, whatever. So I let this dude borrow my video game. And you got two days, bro. You know, they'll let you borrow for two days. And after two days, give it back. So after the second day, I asked him, I said, hey, um, I, did you bring my game? He said, oh, I forgot. I'll bring it tomorrow. So the next day came. He said, oh, I forgot. I'll bring it tomorrow. Then the third day, I'm a little more irritated now. I'm like, yo, bro, where's my game? Don't worry about it, bro. I'll bring it back when I'm ready. Problem. Hold up. Wait a minute. I'm not saved yet. You know it get real when you start clapping. I'm like, we have a problem. After school, my dude is going down. So I'm telling my boy up. I'm saying, yo, man, dude disrespect me. So I'm walking fast. I'm walking real fast to the front door. My dad said, where you going? This dude, he got my game. We about to handle this. He said, hold up, hold up, hold up. We're going to ride over there together. My dad and I, we ride over together with my friend. And so my dad approaches my friend's dad. He says, hey, uh, my son said that your son borrowed his game. And he didn't get it back. He turned to him and said, you got his game? Yes, sir. Where is it? Go get it. And so he gave me the game back. And his dad is obviously mad at his son. And so I'm like, cool, we got my game. And so the next day, can y'all believe this dude had the audacity to mug me? Mug means he looked at me with aggression as though he was upset because I came to his house and informed his parents about it. That's what it means to mug. So he was greatly upset, and he's mugging me. And he got a problem. He ain't say much, but he just was, like, frowning up at me. We weren't friends no more, right? We were done after that. It was all over game. <laughs> all over game. I kid you not, 2016, I graduated in high school. We're talking about 2005, 2006. This is when this happened. 2016. We a decade. I go to Walmart. I'm married now, bro. I'm married. I have children. I didn't graduate high school and college. I'm in ministry. I'm saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. And I see this dude. Y'all know this man is still mugging me? <laughs> I mean, this dude was still frowning at me. Back then, I was like 5'3 and chubby. I'm like 6'1 now. I couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> You're still there. Like, those are the type of games we had to blow and stuff. We had a whole nother graphics card. And you still upset? <laughs> Ten years ago, still mugging me over a game. And while you may be laughing, what are you still holding on to? What bitterness, what anger are you still holding on to? That happened a decade ago. And then if you think about what it was over, it was over a Nintendo 64 game. <laughs> Do they even make those anymore? You still mad, bro? <laughs> ah, same level produce. Now listen, people who keep you grounded, they want you to blow up. They want you to soar. People who keep you grounded, they want you to blow up. They just won't let your head blow up too. All right. Yeah. <laughs> they won't let your head blow up too. I need voices in my life who don't just gas me up. I need voices to tell me the truth. And like, hey, I'm glad what God is doing in your life, Jerry, and I'm thankful that all these doors are opening, but this one is not an opportunity. This one is a trap playing dress up. I don't need you to take that one. That's not them hating. That's them looking out for me. That's them loving me. Grounded is when people don't allow the enemy. We talked about this a few weeks ago to have a foothold. And I can't speak for anybody else but myself. I'm personally in a place in my life, and I'm in a season in my life where I want to be surrounded by people where I'd rather be slapped with the truth than kissed with a lie. Tell me the truth. If I have a booger in my nose, tell me. If my breath stinks, tell me. If I said something disrespectful to my wife or husband, tell me. If somebody comes to church with a short skirt, don't go run over to the ushers and say, see, that's what's wrong with this generation. They so fast. You see this? You see that? I don't understand it. And then you wonder why it's hard to reach millennials and Generation Z? Because we have this judging spirit. Everybody always says, come as you are until they come as they are. But this is what happens when you're mature when you get mature why don't you disciple them why don't you say hey let's go shopping why don't you train her and teach her what modesty is maybe she doesn't know at least she's coming to church real while you coming fake I'm honest enough to admit I'm struggling I need Jesus and I like trap music I'm trying to change and I need to be disciple could you disciple me could you help me maybe I'm wearing clothes like this because I have all of these insecurities because I did not get the affirmations from my father like I should have 
I've got. So now all of these men looking at me and me getting whistles, it makes me feel important. And so I give up my body to men because I really don't know who I am and I'm really looking for daddy in them. But if you could teach me about the man who gave up his body for the body, preach Holy Spirit. If you could teach me, if you could disciple me, maybe then I could understand the gospel. Maybe then I could understand modesty. Maybe then I could understand health. I just need to be discipled. I'm trying. I just need to be discipled. So I'm going to give you a few indicators that you could identify that this wasn't love. This wasn't love. First point to identify if this wasn't love is when they speak fluently in self-centeredness. Fluent speech and self-centeredness. It doesn't matter if it's your relationships. It doesn't matter if it's your family. It doesn't matter if it's a church. It doesn't matter if it's a community. People that speak fluently in self-centeredness take on a parasite's nature. I've just discovered I think health is kind of like a banking system. Health and your relationships, i got to understand their withdrawals. Their deposits, their transfers, and their savings. And I also got to have a budget because certain things are too expensive. My peace is so valuable, so me entertaining your drama, me entertaining your mess, that breaks my budget. I can't afford that bill. A violation of this management will have you paying penalty fees because you allowed somebody to overdraft in the area of your heart. I got to have health. I have to understand. See, look, I want to show y'all this. This, this. this right here is how I believe it goes. First thing, we have quarters and we have pennies. Y'all see this? Y'all see this? So a lot of us have to understand our value first. Because if you don't understand your value first, you'll be so caught up with the container that you're missing what's on the inside is just a penny. And so you crying. Because you're so caught up with the container and Jerry's trying to get you to see if you can see on the inside, you have more value, you have more worth. And what you're supposed to do is not complimenting what they're supposed to do. And so now we try to join up and you're always going to feel as though things are going short. You're always going to feel as though you're getting the low side of the bar because you're with somebody who can only offer you a penny. Are you tripping over people who only have pennies when you have quarters? <laughs> I need you to understand your value. What's on the inside of them? You so caught up with the container. You so caught up with her hair. You so caught up with her backside and her breast. You so caught up with his six pack. You so caught up with his beard. You so caught up with his eyes and how cute y'all children will look together. But you're not looking on the inside. This dude got problems. On the inside, he got anger issues. On the inside, he got insecurities. And all this stuff's gonna be poured into you if y'all hook up. I need you to get beyond the container. Get beyond the container of clay. And do they have any morals on the inside? Do they have any faith on the inside? Are they filled with the Holy Spirit? Can they pray? I need them to be able to pray, especially if he's a man, because you're going to be the leader and the protector over our family. I need you to have a prayer life, sir, so that when you speak, heaven moves. I need you to have a prayer life so there's certain spirits, there's certain atmospheres and familiar spirits that try to get a hold of this house. They can't because I have a praying leader. I have a praying leader. Can you identify the value? So we're just going to go ahead and break this up. Let's say you do. You identify the value and both of y'all are compliments. So we're going to have both of you with quarters, right? This, this right here is how marriage looks. Sometimes my wife deposits into me. And sometimes I deposit in my wife. Sometimes I withdraw. Then other times, I deposit. As long as our marriage looks like this, where she's pouring into me, and then I'm pouring back into her, we good. And then sometimes certain seasons are harder. We have a loss of a loved one, a layoff. So this is going to mean she's going to have to take more out of me. And I'm going to have to have less right now. But it's okay because we already have a system where every now and again, she deposits back into me. Y'all see this? Now, how we get hurt, how we get hurt is when we're with somebody. I mean, they take everything. 
They take everything. And then you wonder why you're emotionally bankrupt. You wonder why you're mentally bankrupt. Anytime you're with a person, a community, or a church, an atmosphere where they are taking more withdrawals than deposits, that is not a partner, that is a parasite. And this is how a lot of us look. A lot of us look like this. And insecurity, insecurity has us where we smile as we pour while we're left on empty. Because you confuse your contribution as confirmation. No, ma'am. That's not confirmation because they're leaving you empty. I got to have withdrawals and I got to have deposits. And I need to be in relationships, communities where both of us have a withdrawal deposit. Withdrawal deposit. But if you're entertaining pennies and they're trying to pour into you, look how much they can pour. <laughs> they're pouring into you and you're like, that really didn't do nothing for me. <laughs> That really didn't do nothing for me. And it seems as though they so blessed when you pour into them, it's because you don't know your value. And so they're taking, oh, this feels good. They're taking everything from you because you give them significance. I'm trying to help somebody, man. They speak fluently. They speak fluently and self-centeredness. See, listen, love and generosity are married. Love and generosity are married. You cannot say you love and not be generous. You cannot say you love and not give. If you love your spouse, you'll give. If you love your church and there's somewhere that's pouring into you, that's constantly helping you grow. And when you look back, you see all the deposits this word is doing in your life, all the deposit that they're giving in your life. You can't help but give back because love is generous. This is like the most basic scripture of our faith. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave you cannot <laughs> you cannot love and not be generous and maybe we need to identify that self-centeredness especially in marriage is poison because in marriage i'm about to give y'all this is basic but it's good in marriage me my and i die in marriage me my and i die you know what it is now we us our <laughs> and if you're not ready to give up me my and i and embrace we us and our just enjoy your singleness bro ain't nobody pressuring you to get married just enjoy your look you can keep all your quarters keep all your quarters <laughs> all of them they speak fluently in self-centeredness number two this wasn't love when it's feelings driven i feel what i didn't feel what i didn't feel what i didn't feel Feelings are wonderful servants, but they're terrible masters. And there are people who literally have divorced because of a feeling that they no longer feel. I'm no longer feeling them. I, I just fell out of love with them. I feel like we just fell out of love with each other. Divorcing your spouse because you fell out of love with them is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. Just <laughs> uh, fill it back up, bruh. I just need you to fill this back up. That's all I need you to do. Fill it back up. And a lot of us are tripping. I, this is why I believe people go ghost. People go ghost because when that initial effectuation phase is over and they no longer feel that and you're starting to really get exposed to who I really am, they go ghost because I'm trying to outrun me. But here's the thing. You can never outrun you. The real you will eventually make its debut. <laughs> and so I don't want you to discover that real me. I go ghost. Feelings driven. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's going to be hard for you to burn for God when you're dating a fire extinguisher. <laughs> How is it that y'all can have sex, but y'all can't have conversations? Oh, Lord, your neck, your neck. It's coming for it, just your neck. Number three, it wasn't love if it lacked patience. Lacked patience. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, it starts off very simple. Love is patient. And in this era of cutoff game, my cutoff game is strong. I think we don't understand that as a believer, there must be some stick to itness. And I broke this down before, but patience is the ability to survive the not yet. God, that's so good. Write it down. Patience is the ability to survive the not yet. Has their credit score improved? Not yet. 
<laughs> Has they start putting their shoes in the closet? Not yet. Have they stopped leaving the lid off the toothpaste? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. It is the not yet's. Can you survive the season of not yet? Because if you're going to make disciples of all nations, you're going to have to love somebody beyond their not yet. Love them beyond their not yet. And I think what I'm trying to articulate is I believe we need less lectures and more love. <sighs> less lectures and more love. Number four, I'm going to park right here for a second. It wasn't love if it's manipulation. Manipulation. Now, there are layers to this. I'm going to try to go through these kind of quickly. The first type of manipulation, I believe, is a guilt trip. They try to constantly make you feel bad, and it wasn't anything that you've done. That is a form of manipulation. The second form of manipulation is possessive behavior. They speak as though they own you, as though you're mine. This even happens in church. You're my son, and you didn't, you didn't ask me for my blessing before you ministered there. And you didn't ask me for my blessing before you wrote that book. You didn't ask me for my blessing before you started that YouTube channel. Sir, take several seats. <laughs> several seats. I'm not saying that you don't need to have somebody to hold you accountable. But at the end of the day, I'm God's. I'm not your property. Manipulation, they have a possessive type of behavior. Now, here's the thing. If they can't, if they can't control you, they try to control how people view you. Mm. If I really can't control you, I then try to, try to create a scenario where people could view them out of an unhealthy light. But let me tell you what mature love does. In your immaturity... If you gossiped, if you badmouthed, or if you talked about a person that drew a picture that was false, in your maturity, go back to all those people that you gossiped to, all those people that you badmouthed this person to, and fix that painting. Say, you know what, I was, in, I was on one when I said that. I was in the flesh when I said that. That's not really who they are. I apologize. I just have to correct that. I feel like nobody's saying amen right now. I feel like nobody's feeling me right now because we want to say, oh, I just asked God for forgiveness. God, just forgive me. God, know my heart. No. If you tried to sabotage somebody's character because you got emotional or because you were in the flesh, if you want to operate in maturity, go back to the very people that you badmouthed that person to and fix the painting. Y'all don't want to say amen right there, right? Are we going to get fire emoji right there? Are we going to get say that, that part? Because that requires maturity. Next form of manipulation is projected insecurity. Projected insecurity. It's when they apologize like this. Oh, I'm sorry, but if you wouldn't have did that, I wouldn't have. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry I did that. I just thought you were going to leave. Projected insecurity. So now you're trying to make me feel bad due to your dysfunction? So I'm questioning me. <laughs> and it was really your issue. I had this happen to me. I was a student pastor. I had a whole bunch of students over the house years ago, and I forgot one guy. I overlooked one guy. He showed up. And he was like, hey, you forgot me. I was like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't have no problem. I don't have no issue with you. It was just so many people. My bad, man. And so I'm in the house telling Tanisha I feel all bad, how, what type of leader am I? I'm overlooking people. But really, he was just there to holler at a girl. That was his whole purpose. He had text other people to try to figure out if this girl was there. And when he came to me, he projected this image as though I made a mistake. And so now I'm having this insecurity, but it was really something you were doing on the low. <sighs> Projected insecurity. And they always come with an agenda. This is why you have to have standards. Because standards reveal those who come with an agenda. This is good, y'all. Next manipulation is intellectual bullying. How can you tell me? I got a degree in this. Girl, I got a whole PhD, a whole one. How do you know they try to make you feel stupid due to their education so that you can never voice your opinion on your side because they're smarter than you? Manipulation. Historical ammunition. It's the next one. Historical ammunition. This is when they use your flaws, your mistakes, your, short, your shortcomings as ammo. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is the hardest part about marriage. I'm being transparent and I'm being raw. This is the hardest part about marriage is you know all the crap. You know all the mess. You know all the flaws. You know all the failures about this person. But you can never use that ammo as ammunition. 
All the stuff I know about you, I can't use that to load up my magazine. And every time you try to, how you going to tell me? Because pop, 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 pop. How you going to tell me? Because pop, pop, pop. And this is why people never get on the same page. Because I keep holding a record of all of your wrongs. And you keep holding a record of all of my wrongs. This is how arguments turn into a six-hour discussion because I keep on using all the ammunition from my past, from your past, and you keep using all the ammunition from my past, and we never get anywhere because we're using historical ammunition. The Word of God says it this way. Galatians chapter 6 in the NIV version. Galatians chapter 6. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, there it is, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. In the Message Bible, look at this. It says, live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so com complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived badly deceived point number five and six i'm done it's not love if number five is willing rebellion willful rebellion when they don't care that they're going against what god told you to stay out of when they don't care that this is sin and it's a willingness to rebel this isn't love and number six it's not love if it's a trauma giver so now, you are in the bed, sleeping next to someone who makes you feel alone. They give trauma. It incubates trauma. Hair falling out, eyes twitching, stress, headaches, high blood pressure, unhealth, tears, crying, wrinkles under your eyes. If this is a community, relationship, career, whatever, that has given trauma, but then they say they love you. They're lying to you. Because no greater love than this, than when one lays down his life for a friend. So God, help us, restore us, reintroduce to us a new biblical view of love. Love, love, the most powerful force in all of existence. Love changed our story. Love was the plot twist to our narrative. Love helped us to where you took our imperfect record and exchanged it for your perfect record. And you told us, by this all men will know that you're mine. By the way, you love one another and no greater love than this, than when we lay down our life, our ego, our pride, our anger, our bitterness. Help us to love like you love so that we won't be bound by what wasn't love. In Jesus' name, amen.